When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey out there, rock and rollers. Welcome to the 99th edition of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. And I hope you guys tuned in last week for our show on Ronnie James Dio's biopic, Dreamers Never Die. Just so good to see Ronnie again. So good to hear from all the people who worked with him and loved him over the years. It was a great movie, and I hope that everyone got to see it on its first run in the theaters. Uh, And if not, well, hopefully you'll be able to see it streaming, or my guess is they'll have it available for the holiday gift-giving season, and maybe you can get it on DVD at that point. And I know that a lot of you have been tuning in to hear our review and experience at Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets. As you know, we are members of Pantheon Podcasts, a network of uh, about a hundred different music podcasts, really of all genres, something in there for everyone. And we've been sponsoring the Nick Mason Saucer Full of Secrets Echoes Tour here in North America. And we were fortunate enough to go to the Indianapolis show, meet our VIP winner, uh, and have really an amazing time just enjoying this music of Pink Floyd, the pre-Dark Side Pink Floyd music. I did see them in Royal Albert Hall, and you can hear my review of that on episode 75. You can also hear me and Action Jackson interviewing Guy Pratt and Gary Camp of Nick Mason's Saucerful of Secrets and the Rock on Tours podcast on episode 96. They sounded amazing that night, and we're going to tell you all about it. I wanted to save that for our 100th episode because it was such a special night. It was actually the first concert that Gary and I had seen together in 28 years, which is really hard for me to believe. But that's the way time works on you when you get to be our age, I suppose. So as a special treat this week, we wanted to have the founder, co-founder of Pantheon, Christian Swain, uh, who's had a really amazing kind of life. He's a musician who was all over the Sunset Strip in the 80s, grew up in Southern California, eventually made his way to Northern California, became a citizen, uh, and got some you know, straight jobs, if you will, but never lost that itch for rock and roll, uh, and founded this incredible Pantheon podcast network, which now has an app, at least in America, maybe not in Europe yet, but in America we do have an app which you can download and get all of the amazing Pantheon podcasts on there. And so we thought we'd have a chat with him about what turned him on to music, his experience as a musician, what's going on with Pantheon, what can we look forward to here in the future. So we're going to get into all that here very shortly. Now, of course, we need to mention our sponsors, the inimitable RareVinyl.com. Based in the UK, they've been around almost 40 years. With over a quarter million items in stock, they've got everything you're looking for, whether it's maybe that rare first edition Pink Floyd LP, Uh, or maybe an Italian-issued LP of of Pink Floyd, that rare Japanese red vinyl single, 
of one of these days you might be looking for, go to rarevinyl.com or eil.com and use code PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and you can get 10% off not only your first order, but all orders that you ever make through rarevinyl.com. It's a heck of a deal, and I know we have a lot of record collectors out there. They have so many things. I know they've got something for you. Go check it out. When it comes time to make your purchase, use the code PODCAST, and you will save 10% off every single order you make. But with that, no, Christian's a great guy. I'm so happy that we had a chance to speak with him. I hope you'll enjoy our conversation with him. So why don't we go ahead and jump into that now. It's me and Action Jackson talking with Christian Swain of Pantheon Podcasts right here on The Wolf. Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. No, so we're happy to welcome to the show the rock and roll archaeologist himself, Mr. Christian Swain. We thank you for coming on our show, sir, and blessing us with all the knowledge that you've gained over the years. Well, well thank you very much. But let's let's see if that blessing uh, is is still um, <laughs> uh, a part of this equation at the end of this interview. Uh, you know, it depends on the questions that are thrown at me or whether my knowledge is deep or shallow. Uh, well. Let's say. See, you know, you've got you've got the benefit of about a decade head start on us, you know, and we, <laughs> you, you know, we've uh, we always kind of caught flack, me and Jackson both, that our musical taste ran a little bit old, right? I mean, like uh-huh. we were just talking about it in 1993. Yeah, we were in Alice in Chains, but yeah, Keith Richards' Main Offender was out, and we really loved that, you know. While <laughs> everybody else was like, "No, man, you got to be in the Stone Temple Pilots," and aren't you going to be a big Hootie and the Blowfish fan? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> No, I would rather go <laughs> listen to some, you know, let's listen to Exile on Main Street instead. You know, there's nothing wrong with it 20 years later, right? You know, so right, right. we don't regret growing up in the 80s because we're grown men, and children of the MTV generation. But growing up in the 70s, during the height of the greatest classic rock, in my opinion, era of all time, I mean, the 60s kind of started it, right? You had the Beatles and the Who and Bob Dylan went electric and the Beach Boys doing Pet Sounds and all the Creams and the... You know, Pink Floyd, all everybody's starting there. Zeppelin started in the 60s, but the 70s, 
the heart of Zeppelin, the Stones' best catalog. You've got the heavy metal era. You've got Sabbath and Deep Purple, and then later Rainbow and Aerosmith. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know where you're going. Where the am 70s I going? Are, <laughs> the 70s are, 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 it's, you know, it's the heart of rock and roll. It really uh, is. It's, you know, weirdly, I'm in an argument with uh, uh, one of my bandmates because I am pushing to play more modern type of music. And he's like, no, we need to stick with what we do best in our wheelhouse, which is the 1970s. 70s so, rock, yeah. You know, it's like I want to move some of this. But at the same time, I, I, I will say it's it's much harder to doing those songs from the 70s. We do a little bit in the 60s. We do a little bit in the 80s. But sure. most of our, our songs, and this is my band Tin Man, most of our, our songs are in the 1970s because that's the sweet spot of where people still gravitate to they know the songs they respond to them you know uh, i know i know we're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh nick mason and mm -hmm. pink floyd and all this now i'll give you just a little another little anecdotal thing of uh, evidence to 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 your point here and that was about a year ago i was at a memorial service and, uh, you know, we were uh, afterwards, we were, uh, you know, a little little get together, food and drink and, you know, the whole group is there and we're playing some music uh, and, um, you know, acoustic guitars and that sort of stuff. And uh, and these girls come up to us, they're like 16 years old, if that. <laughs> and they say, do you know, wish you were here? And we're I'm like, well, yeah, of course. Well, yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> Play it. Yeah. So we played it and about 20 of them saying every fucking word at the top of their lungs teenage the girls time. i'm like teenage girls <laughs> really? like, I i'm talking a list like you know the 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 prom queen types you know wow were, know were, they knew pink floyd or at least wish you were here right. uh no no actually they were into classic rock and then they would ask some other beatles or you know the the, the generals but okay but still and i'm like Really? I mean, you got to you got to realize that in 2022, playing music from the 70s is like being in the 70s playing music in the 1920s. Right. It's know? pretty old at this point. <laughs> yeah. So it's that that significantly old. So why? Why is that? And, uh, you know, to your point, you know, the the original class and, and now I'm going to throw my rock and archaeology hat on. There we go. You know, the original class of the, of the of, you know, 54, 55 uh, to 60, you know, was very, very small, very, very small. I mean, we're, we're talking like, you know, a, a handful of people are really responsible for most of that music. And it is kind of treated like a fad at, uh, at, at its time. time. And. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it did kind of go away uh, in about 1960. You know, that real rock and roll, uh, the uh, the expressive, uh, dangerous kind uh, that uh, the establishment uh, was freaking out on, which they've done several times, so through several iterations. That's right. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, you know, Chuck's uh, in jail, Elvis in the army, Little Richard's back at the priesthood. Uh, and, and it does Charlie married like his cousin. Away. Everybody's down yeah, on rock yeah, and yeah, roll. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It, it, you know, Buddy Holly's dead. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's a uh, it's it's a it's a tough time, and and it does. You know, if you, if 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 I could go in a time machine and go back to about 1960 or 61, you know, you would see that. You know, wow, just was a, a little a little bump 
in the night for five years. And, you know, now we're back to Pat Boone, uh, you know, and Engelberg Humperdinck uh, singing. Uh, Although you know, Motown's uh, starting to yeah. get some traction. Well, that is the one area where where things, you know, black music continues mm -hmm. to invent and uh, create, you know, especially, you know, Motown, the, 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 the music of the youth. And then, of course, you know, the big giant nuclear explosion of the Beatles in 1963. That's right. Uh, just that that changes it. So now there's a maturity process between that when, you know, pretty much everybody, you know, every group of guys, especially, uh, you know, that had a modicum of musical talent said, hey, let's form a band. Yeah. Uh, another bit of uh, anecdotal data on on why that was so significant. We did a, a podcast for Zildjian uh, Simples uh, several years ago. Oh, cool. And, what, and doing, doing the research, uh, one of the things we found is that that uh, within six weeks of the performance at on Ed Sullivan, uh, February 9th, 1964, Zildjian had a backlog that lasted 15 years. Wow. <laughs> That's how significant that that moment was. Uh, so, I mean, that, that... Was say, and I, I've heard that from Fender and uh, and Gibson and uh, and all that. Anything that those guys Gretsch, anything that those guys touched was 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 gold to this. You know, this new youth culture that um, you know had um, uh, disposable income. And again, that's a fairly new thing too. You know, that's 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 right. post war. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, so that fits in with that, along with the technological advances that a lot came out of uh, World War II uh, that enhanced, um, uh, you know, recording, you know, capture and and distribution and industrialization and everything that went along with it, you know, the American culture that exploded uh, after uh, the after the war. So between 64 and about 70, you know, it's still there's no money in this game, just so you know, at that time, you know, and all these guys thought, oh, you know, hey, this is going to be great. I'll, I'll have a six week to a two year career and then right. I'll go work in the coal mines, you know, like my dad did. Um, none of them expected to be around 50 years. None, none of them. I, Never, I've talked no. to so many of them. And so uh, but by the time you get into about 1970, then things really begin to professionalize, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and, you know, as, as a lot of people like to point to, especially, you know, the dude from the big Lebowski, you know, you could point to the Eagles as being, uh, you know, <laughs> one of those harbingers of doom uh, because that was a professional type of situation of, um, you know, we are going to craft songs and make hits and make a shitload of money. And, and so they did, you know, we just did um, a couple episodes ago on the rock and archeology. span I think it was episode 21, 21, which was guitar Mageddon where Loved we it. did kind of break it, down. Um, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Break down, um, you know, the three big pillars of, of hard rock or, or metal, you know, which is Sabbath, uh, uh, Led Zeppelin and, 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 and Deep Purple. Yep. And the big thing that we made about that was Black Sabbath, is kind of like the old school four mates who grew up together, knew each other in high school, right. formed a band and, you know, went off to success uh, and, and all of that. And then Led Zeppelin was kind of like a hybrid where, right. you know, Robert Plant and, and, and Bonham were very close and very tight from the North, uh, 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 the North of England. And of course, you know, John Paul Jones and, and Jimmy Page were professional studio musicians Down that, in. you know, put this whole thing together. Yeah. So that was a bit of a hybrid. Whereas Deep Purple was completely a, you know, corporate <laughs> process and was, you know, a professional organization from day one. And that's kind of where things begin to go into the seventies. And so with that professionalism, professionalism, 
you know, you do get this business that is able to, you know, build uh, what was done before from the 50s to the 60s into the 70s. And so I think that's a big reason why the 70s is just people gravitate to that. The recording, uh, you you know, I can tell the difference between a, a song that was recorded in the 60s or an album recorded in the 60s versus the 70s. But from the 70s to, de- to today, it's a little harder. It's much harder. It's the, gotcha. the technology is much closer to where we are today. It's uh, funny whereas when you, the sixties, uh, you can hear, you can hear, you know, the primitive. It's only four uh, tracks or whatever. Yeah. 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 yeah I was going to say, it's funny when you, when something like that comes on, like I've got a, like a Sono system that I set up myself, but it is stereo and something comes on. That's not stereo. And you're only hearing half of it yeah. at the beginning. And like, Oh, okay. So obviously to your point, this was, yeah. this was Mono, recorded. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I was gonna say my son is a. He's a drummer. He likes to play, uh, in the school band. And he got a Sweetwater catalog last night. And he was looking through it. And he was like, "Oh man, here's like a. I think it was like a twenty or twenty five channel board that you could get." And so he was like, "Yeah, did the Beatles have anything like this?" And like the Beatles were happy with four tracks. That's what yeah. they had. So you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're way ahead yeah. of the game with that. Well, and you talk about oh, the Beatles. Yeah. I mean, you know, yes, it, it certainly if you saw the Beatles or heard them in 63, then by 64, yeah, suddenly there are thousands of bands out there who are their mm-hmm. same age or, or maybe just a bit younger. But yeah. the fact of the matter is when they were on the Ed Sullivan show in America, that affected mm-hmm. millions of people. And some of those people were just young. They were only 12 or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. a, like mm-hmm. Glenn Fry or, or Gene Simmons or, you know, people who were very different people, but they both saw that and said, yep, that's what I'm going to do, you know, and a lot of, oh. people, so they, they had to grow up and get into the seventies before they could yeah. do it. So that's the generation you say the sixties were influenced by the Beatles. Well, that's influencing their peers. The next generation came from the seventies. And, and that's why I think it's so great because everybody could go in so many different, everyone's kind of being Beatle clones or maybe mm-hmm. taking it one step further in the sixties, in the seventies, suddenly you go heavy metal or you go progressive rock, like the yes and the Genesis, or you know, you could do acoustic stuff. You could go so many different directions because they grew up on it and they were not just influenced, but they were amazed and like, Oh my God, well, there's only one thing I'm going to do. Well, I might also suggest, um, and we, we have thought about this uh, in several ways, uh, especially when uh, the movie uh, Get Back came back last mm. last year. What if the Beatles didn't break up? What What if they had still existed into the 70s? I, I don't think we would have had as much of an explosion of various kinds of music because they just owned everything. I agree with you. And so by by them breaking up, it released a lot of oxygen into the room mm-hmm. that other people could fill. And, uh, and, and at the same time, you know, we did start to see, and that, that was another reason why guitar Mageddon was, uh, we started to see fragmentation. Uh, you know, there was sort of like rock and roll was just rock and roll. It was all lumped into one thing right. um, with the advance, uh, w- with the, um, uh, the introduction of like, harder rock you know it was starting with hendrix and then cream and and then moving into the 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 really darker stuff yeah uh like sabbath which you know begets you know uh, the new wave of, of british heavy metal uh you know you know uh and then the, and then the rainbows and then, and the, 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 yeah and, and then into the Saxon. 80s with the metallicas and the megadeths mm-hmm. and the slayers and all that other stuff so that 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 was the beginning of some fragmentation uh you know there were a lot of people in, in rolling stone famously you know hated 
most of those bands, you know, and <laughs> yes. just wrote horrible reviews about their their albums. They've since come back and said, eh, okay, we were a little unfair uh, at that time. But, you know, there was this, this breakdown uh, of tastes and that allowed more uh, options as well you know and and throughout the 70s you know we were getting all kinds of new music like that you know that's something i was, I was talking to somebody about this the other day where uh especially on the rock genre you know it's, you know you don't get a new band coming around every every day uh not anymore uh and uh you know uh, in fact, I went to a show Sunday night uh, to see a band called King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, oh, yeah. uh, which is out of, of Australia. And that's like the first time I've seen something really unique in a long, long time in rock and roll. And that worked. OK, what and made that- it unique, though, Christian? What was different about it? I think I quit counting the number of influences at about 10. Okay. Uh, that I could identify, uh, and uh, and they were able to take, you know, most art is about taking influences from several different sources and putting sure. it together into a new a new package. If you can do two in music, you're doing pretty good. If you do three, you're actually doing really really well, and you probably c- can create something pretty unique and different, a, a unique sort of sound. Okay. Sure, okay. Once you start getting into like five, six, seven, it, it starts to you, you. There's this this breakdown of wait a minute, are they doing this? Or are they doing that? And there and maybe there's part of it is the audience expectation. I want you in this lane and you need to stay there. And we now live in an era where people don't give a shit about that. And so you can do this, but these guys have been together for about 10 or plus years. And so they've been able to take all these influences and still make it cohesively work from moment to moment. I mean, literally they would do like some sort of death metal slayer, chunky thing, and then Uh switch to a jazz quintet you know for the verses or what have you it was it was it was and then white boy funk uh you know um uh straight pop songs 20 minute epics they could do pretty much anything and and you know at the same time i'll say that uh, everybody in that band were pretty much virtuosos so you know you can get away with that so uh, my point being that that's a rare experience these days in the 70s Oh, this happened every other week. Right. There was some new band that you just went, "Oh my god, this is this is amazing!" Uh, out, out of this world type of stuff. Yeah. So again, proving your point that you know the seventies was was a really unique, special place. Um, I think the eighties again, there that fragmentation that I talked about that begins in the seventies really takes hold uh, in the eighties, and uh, and now you have separate tribes that are very distinct. Uh, and 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 don't normally hang out with each other. Yeah, time. I'd say you're right about that. Because like you know, because in the my parents went to graduate from high school in the '60s and went to college in the '60s. So and and I could see from like my dad's old record collection, you know how it was. It went from Motown to then more rock and roll and, and stuff like that. Um, but the '80s and and look, I loved it at the time. I loved MTV when I was a kid. I oh, loved yeah. it in high school. Now I can see. Look, you know, it was really kind of you're pushing pretty people, uh, right? You're pushing the visual, and there's always been a visual aspect to rock and roll, but it was kind of contained oh, yeah. in the in the pages of Rolling Stone or or Kerrang or you know whatever you know cream wherever rock magazine you like to get and, and all of a sudden it's broadcast all over the world so you it was maybe less 
substance and more style, but there was still substance. It's just, you might not find it where you were finding everything else. Well, also, I think a, a bit of the mystery begins to unravel. Uh, to your point, uh, scarcity creates um, desire uh, and want, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, and and it it's it it allows a lot more imagination. I, I think it's fair to say that these you know these seven, especially the seventies rock gods. Uh, and some of them that come out of the 60s, you know, you know, definitely Bob fits in there, uh, you know, uh, the Stones, uh, the Who, uh, that do that do really well in the 70s, as opposed to even the 80s and the 90s. You know, these guys are like Greek gods now. Right. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you know a, a, a thousand years, you know, we, I'm, I would not be surprised if, uh, you know, they're Marvel they're they're thought of as like marvel he superheroes and they shoot shit out of their eyes you know or or you know were super strong or uh you know just had had magical powers to do this thing uh weirdly almost i think that is the story of uh rush's 2112 if i remember right kind of well hey look good luck convincing my daughter that there isn't a star child somewhere that has magical powers uh because if, if you see Kiss and Scooby Doo and the mystery of the music or whatever. It's a, yeah, called. it's already there, right? It's already there. She already believes it, you know. So she's like, you know, do their kids have special powers? I'm like, I, I, I don't want to break this for you yet because I think it's so cute that you like this, honey. So I'm like, yeah, I think Paul's kids uh, do have special I'm, powers. I'm pretty sure this is how religions begin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Steve Hackett, and you're listening to the Ugly American Werewolf in London. But we were we were talking about the uh, the new Ronnie James Dio movie that came out. Uh, oh yeah, of, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's on the list. I haven't I haven't seen it's, it yet, it's, but I, it's I know good. I, but the it's but the begin what struck me at the beginning was Eddie Trunk was talking about how you would get an album and you would be in the cellophane and you would open the cellophane, you'd see oh here's the cover oh, and the what's ritual. it going to be on the yeah. inside, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and mm -hmm. that's just that's totally again gone talking now. about religion, right? Exactly, exactly. Totally you know, religion, ritual, you know? and, right. and then putting the thing on and listening to it track, you know, track by track. Oh, reading all the liner anymore. notes, correct, yes. uh, correct. Picking out names because of like, hey, I saw that guy's name over with this other band, uh, right? Things like right. that, correct. You know? Yeah, so, learning what the correct. lyrics actually say because yeah. I got to tell you, as a kid, I, obviously you don't understand every turn of phrase that an adult might use, especially <laughs> in a song. You know, I mean, I'll give you a great example. Caught up in you, 38 special. I don't know what caught up in you means. I thought he was saying call up in you, like calling <laughs> up you, but in a crazy <laughs> way. In a southern way. <laughs> that, he was a southerner, so that must be how yeah, they talk. Yeah, that's how they do that. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, so you read the lyrics to kind of better understand what the heck they're talking about. Well, there's 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 a, a lost uh, joke. Uh, you know, there used to be, you know, there, there was constantly people would fuck up the lyrics yeah. uh, because they had to just guess if they weren't written out on the, on the, uh, the, the liner notes. That's right. And, uh, or the inner sleeves and, uh, uh, <laughs> where now there is no get it's all out there. You can find them and go, Oh, wow. Got that one wrong. That uh, been? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now that all makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wait a minute. There isn't a bathroom on the right. What? Right. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, yeah, we you know we we uh, we've lost a lot of that mystery that uh, mm. really, uh, uh, and I think you know certainly in the '60s it was like wow. And again, uh, back to the Beatles, the the proof for the Beatles, especially these four 
kids from Liverpool outside of London making it. What that said to all these other kids was like, well, anybody can do this. Can do so that's what I'm going to mm-hmm. do. And to your point, they needed to mature. And when they did, that was the 1970s. And that's where we got just this huge, huge m- music was currency uh, to youth. Well, plus uh, you could see them, right? I mean, they, they changed the touring business. It used to be the Beatles go up, play 15 songs. Oh, yeah. 15, songs. yeah the girls scream minutes. and then yeah, they run and then, off, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Peter Grant's like, no, you're not giving me half the money. You're giving me 90% of the money. And we're yeah. going to play the stadium. I'm going to tell you what to and, charge for the yeah, tickets. Yeah. And, and I'm going to tell you how long I'm going to play and all yeah. that. Yeah. 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 You know, or the Stones. So, you know, I, I, we, we always look to the Stones as uh, the guys who uh, are constantly evolving the live game. Yeah. And everybody's following in their uh, in their wake. They uh, still you know, they had the money. They and they still they yeah they still are able to you know sell out stadiums. They're eighty years old. That's- I saw them twice in Hyde Park this summer, Christian. Eighty five thousand at each gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they're eighty years old. This yeah. is it's not, so. Is that's that not supposed is to that happen. one of the is that one of the big things that the Beatles also showed everybody is that you could make a lot of money doing this. And all of a sudden it just became like a, yeah. it, where before it was, you were just fooling around playing music, but now wait a minute, I can make a career out of this and yeah. really become yeah. big. Yeah. And, and it, and it did. And, and, and the music industry grew to be, it's still pretty small, always has been pretty small, mm-hmm. but you know, much bigger than it was prior. Uh, and, uh, you know, the music business would love to see those days. Uh, return, that's for sure. yeah. So did you grow up in San Francisco? I mean, did you grow up in the in that area? No, I oh. I, I, I am a native Californian, uh, okay. but I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Oh, OK. And, uh, yeah, lived there until I was about 30. And, uh, I, you know, I never I never felt comfortable in in Southern California. I never never felt like it was my place. Is that right? Uh, yeah, it was. um uh, it's kind of it's hard to explain. I mean, you know, uh, you know, I, I wasn't a surf cat, uh, mm-hmm. you know, or a skateboarder. You know, I, I, you know, I dabbled in that sort of thing when I was really young. But sure, you know, I loved music, and uh, that meant uh, things at night, not things in the day. And Southern right. California is all about the sun and the day and all of that. So I don't know. I just never quite felt comfortable there. And um, I uh, took a trip up to San Francisco uh, in about 1985 and mm-hmm. uh, was like, this is amazing. Yeah. This is a city. And it took me uh, several years, but I, uh, you know, I set my sights on uh, moving up here and I did in 93 and uh, I've been here ever since. That's awesome. Because I mean, being in San Francisco in the 70s would have been something else. But did you do anything like in the early 80s? I mean, did you hit any like the Roxy, the Troubadour, the, the whiskey, the rainbow? Did you, I mean, did was that ever on your radar back in the day? I headlined every one of those. Okay, that's what I was hoping <laughs> so, for. So, so then, yes. So, so, so yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, one time or another, we uh, we headlined. I had a band. Uh, uh, the most successful one was called Infrared. Um, and kind of like, uh, weirdly, like the, uh, uh, the Black Sabbath story, it was, what I did was I took... I took guys, there were three high schools in my, uh, my, my area where I grew up. Uh, and I kind of took the best players of those three high schools. We put it together. Oh, gotcha. We created, um, uh, this band and we were, we were together on and off for about 10 years. Uh, you know, we break up anywhere from, you know, a day to two years okay. <laughs> once. <laughs> and, and then we, we get back together and, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we did, we kind of did like a, funk hard rock sort of thing i think you know if, if if you were to you know put somebody 
kind of like what we were trying to do. It'd be like the chili peppers, chili peppers that was uh, ask, sort yeah. of thing. And, you know, to be honest with you, that was not the big thing that was going on in LA at the time. At the, right. at the time, it's the hair metal thing. And That's right. you know, we had to play on bills with mostly hair metal bands, of which there were a billion jillion of them. Uh, you know, basically four guys who were either hairdressers or went to hairdressers. Mm -hmm. and, Dating a hairdresser. Would, borrowing uh, her products. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and put on some uh, some makeup and uh, learn three chords, and, and they were good to go, uh, sort of thing. And so, you know, that was the that was the uh, the band du jour, and we weren't quite like that. So, but uh, but hey, we had a good time. I enjoyed I enjoyed uh, every moment of it. Um, but uh, you know, you you realize uh, your time is up, and uh, so you move on to other things. And uh, I what basically uh, real short, what happened was Nirvana. <laughs> That's what happened. Having and, everybody, and I, yeah. And I said, I said, we need to do this, or nothing's going to happen. And the other guys went, "No, we want to do like prog rock stuff." And I was like, "Okay, you guys have fun." And, uh, <laughs> well, I love prog, but yeah, if you wanted to do it in 1992, uh, you're going to have to yeah, wait a little was, while, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it did kind of make a bit of a comeback, but another five or seven or eight years, you know, when you it took like a while. Yeah. Tree and Dream Theater and some of those other guys that uh, that kind of showed up and. I, I don't know if we had that kind of talent, to be honest with you. <laughs> to get right down to, we would have had a much better Chili Peppers type of bands. Gotcha. <laughs> sort of sort of thing. So, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I loved the, the hanging out down there. I, I never moved to Hollywood. I wasn't willing to do exactly that, but I, I moved to like Burbank uh, and Eagle Rock. And so okay. I moved just on the other side of the hill and and just commute over for the uh, the nighttime. That's all good. And so you were part of the scene, though. I mean, I mean were you hanging out with yeah. other bands? I mean, were you getting friendly oh, yeah. with folks who, who made it? you know yeah. talk to some oh, yeah. Stuff, yeah. yeah 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 let's see uh, okay so uh, one night I, I i was hanging out with a friend of mine he he was in a cover band and i knew okay. the cover band really well and i'd get up and i'd sing a song or two uh whenever i'd hang out with them uh which was always good for me fun right uh and uh yeah <laughs> and so uh he invited me down to uh i think it was madam wong's if i remember right uh to see his original band play and I said, oh, hell yeah, you know, go, go down and support. So I go down there, <clears throat> go backstage, hanging out. You know, my friend's getting ready for the show. And he goes, hey, uh, I'm gonna, I got to go get ready. Uh, hey, this is my, my friend Warren. Warren, this is Christian. You guys hang out and, you know, uh, enjoy the show. And I'll talk to you guys afterwards. So, all right, cool. You know, hey, how you doing, Warren? Um, yeah, you know, all right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I, you play? He goes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I play too. What, what's the name of your band? Uh, Rat. Rat. Yeah. Uh, Warren D. Martini. Oh, Warren D. Martini. Yeah. Oh, I know you. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. That's so, really awesome. I, you know, I got a fair amount of stories uh, like that. Uh, you know, it's just um, uh, everybody was out just trying to hustle and think they were going to get a record contract and uh, be on the MTV. Uh, you know, that's the way you do it. Right. So that's right. But, but I think at, at yeah. that point in time, like that was a real opportunity. I mean, you, you saw other guys who were your age, your, what you were playing, getting these record contracts. So I can imagine that was a real electric well, time let, let, there. Let, but let me give you the converse story. Uh, okay. I had, I had friends uh, that got the big time, record contract like okay you know, two hundred thousand dollars or something Ooh. like that signing bonus right uh, and these guys were good they were really good they were a, a bit of a hair metal band glammy sort of thing but they were they were good they, they wrote good songs because okay. 
in the end, that's all that fucking matters. That's right. Is, right. Uh, you know, and to be honest with you, that's all those guys are really looking for is can you write a hit song? Because yep. <laughs> none of the other shit matters. If you can. <laughs> and so and their album was produced by Roy Thomas Baker. Very, very famous producer. Yeah. Uh, did Queens Night at the Opera, um, uh, The Cars. Um, uh, and right. uh, and we went to the album release party, which was at the Roxy. And, uh, you know, this was a big deal. It was, this was great. Our friends were going to make it. Awesome. Album was never released. Why not? There was never really a good explanation. Basically, what what happens, and this is a common story, is that their uh, advocate, their A&R person mm-hmm. uh, at the uh, label probably left, got fired or what have you. And uh, the others didn't believe in uh, in the uh, the project and uh, they shelted. And to the record company, it's just a tax write-off. So whatever, you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that, to be honest with you, that's, that's kind of a common story. I believe it. No, I always, anytime a band doesn't make it or... You know, a lot of what we do on our show is being the ugly American werewolf in London. We'll talk about bands that maybe make it from the UK, but they don't hit the big time in the US or vice versa. You know, you hit one place and you don't make it the other for whatever reason. And I always... Status quo. I always think a status status quo quo couldn't be bigger in in, in England. Giant in fucking the UK and And never fucking made it over here. Right? Never. Not even one hit. You know. And so, um, no. So it always, always, I always blame the record company. Like they had the wrong A and R guy, or the A and R guy dropped the ball. He had somebody else he liked better, and he didn't care about them or whatever. Even Gary Kemp, who was on this show last week, you know, Mm -hmm. huge hit with True. Spandau Ballet. Yeah. Spandau Ballet is big, big hit with True. The next song, Gold. In Europe might even be bigger, but no, yeah. over in America, nope. I never heard that song even <laughs> in America for 45 years. I moved to England yeah. like, well, this is a great song. Why wasn't this a hit? Like, it's the A&R man. It's all his fault. <laughs> well, I, I think you could give uh, a, a, a lion's share of the blame to uh, the record companies and how they do their business. Um, but you know, there's timing, you know, these are different cultures and That's for sure. in, weirdly, you know, something you would think might work, uh, on both sides of the pond doesn't necessarily, uh, uh, do that. Sometimes it's just the, the art itself just doesn't translate yeah. uh, for one reason or another, uh, or, you know, um, uh, maybe the, the the process and the touring and what have you didn't work out and they missed the window where right. they could have sold that thing uh, or what have you. So, but, you know, in the end, you know, the, all these guys all come across like they know what they're they're doing and you know (laughs) you you know you can it's it's all it's all crystal ball it's all a guess uh and you know you can have an educated guess but it's still a guess and uh you know it's luck uh when it comes to what is going to be a hit well then it's a copycat game too right it's like well i didn't know that well yeah was gonna be huge now everyone's going to be nirvana for the next four years you know yeah yeah you know they they the record companies were always chasing the the latest uh and greatest and uh, wanting their own version of that uh, yeah, yeah, and that's why trends burn out, and that's why the hair metal thing was taken too far. And it's good that something like grunge comes along and gets rid of the the lover boys and the poisons, but then it, it also throws out the good stuff. Like they also threw away Dio, they also threw away Def Leppard, they, they threw away everything that was somewhat related to quote unquote hair metal, and that it all just had to be grunge. You know, then they overdid grunge, 
and not to mention some of the biggest ones died. And then, uh, you know, they had to go into more happy Hootie and the Blowfish kind of thing. And it's like, all right. How about Kiss doing the disco song, which actually was their biggest hit of all time. Fantastic. And then trying to be glammy by taking off their makeup in the 80s, mm-hmm. which they did okay with. And then they tried to go grungy in the 90s. Revenge. Um, mm-hmm. But weirdly, they kind of were able to get away with that. Uh, I, I think some people like Dio did was able to survive some of that and sure. and, and 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 continue on. Uh, I think, you know, it did get rid of a lot of stuff that needed to get rid of. I agree with it. I agree with it. But they kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater in like 93. It's like, nope, n- nothing yeah, from that, that era yeah. can, can yeah. stay. No, no. I, I, I'll tell you, um, uh, you know, another story from L.A. was, you know, as I said, uh, you know, Nirvana's uh, – uh, smells like teen spirit you know i i can point to as the moment of demise for <laughs> my my point in in infrared and uh i would say it was it was ridiculous like i'm i'm talking like 6 weeks may may and, th- and th- th- this may be my memory failing a little bit it may have been more like 6 months but i saw the strip change overnight oh really from from you know spandex and aquanet to plaid and combat yeah. boots mm-hmm. you know uh you know and, and it did it 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 changed overnight uh <laughs> and that that i'd never seen that i'd seen you know i i saw the punk movement the la mm-hmm. punk movement and uh and the metal movement come about uh you know i did see uh, you know underneath there was you know metallica and megadeth and slayer and those guys were still doing building their thing of which they were you know got giants into in the in the 90s rightfully so Mm -hmm. uh and you know again i think you had to get rid of you know the poisons and the motley crews and that 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 look uh and that that sound yeah. to get to the Metallicas and, and, and Slayers becoming big and giant uh, out there. So, but it's, that's it's my, tough that's when my you, theory. Yeah. But it, and it's tough when you don't have the stroke though. Like, I mean, if you're Metallica at that point in time, you could do whatever you wanted to do. You could continue down that road, but if you were just starting off, sorry, this isn't what we're listening to. This is what we want. Have a nice day. Yeah. I don't know. You know, metal, the metal fans are usually pretty, you know, if you're doing something that they dig, they're gonna dig it forever, and they will defend you uh, Loyal with <laughs> sword, shield, and blood. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. Uh, so you know. But to your point, uh, you know, the early uh, thrash uh, metal uh, did take it. It it took a while to to bake. Um, yeah. You know, like anything does. Uh, you know, any good scene uh does it it needs to you know be grassroots it needs to uh, uh start in the basement and uh uh and and build itself up uh, from the ground uh, uh until it turns into you know a b52 dropping bombs all over the world uh, you know, so all right. So your time in infrared came to an end. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to put your rock and roll dreams down for a little while. You kind of become a, 
a bit of a citizen, you know. Uh, I did. This is exactly what you know? happened. Yes. Uh, but, I put my rock and roll uh, hat down and became a citizen. Became a citizen. <laughs> but you didn't totally give up on it. And, you know, now you're a bit but of Once a- it's in the blood, it's in the blood. Exactly. I, believe me, I tried. I tried. And I, I just I can't get rid of the bug. Uh, Nor can I. I caught man. it very, very early. And uh, I just wanted to be, um, you know, I just, I just knew this was... This spoke to me more than anything else and ever has. And I, I think a lot of it is uh, I get bored easily. So, you know, it's really hard to get bored with music. Uh, there's always something to learn. I don't care how good you are. Yeah. Uh, there is always something to learn. There's some new thing to uh, to find uh, out there, some new uh, influence, some new knowledge uh, that uh, will, will make you a better player, maybe, or just a better listener, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, and I, I, I think um, that's uh, some of the advantage of the technology that we have today, um, you know, starting with uh, with Napster uh, and, uh, you know, file sharing and, and making music ubiquitous uh, and basically free or fairly free. Uh, you know, I mean, nowadays with the streamers, I mean, you know, everybody's got a Spotify account or something like that. And you have every song known to mankind. <laughs> <laughs> the it's palm amazing. of your hands so without but, having to, to think about it uh or or just or make a purchase you know but that's the that's the problem though we've talked about this before so so the good news is you can listen to whatever you want whenever yeah. you want it doesn't mm-hmm. matter but the bad yeah. news is you yeah. don't have that connection you don't have that record that you spent your money on that i'm going to listen to this and this is my band now it's like two it's seconds less valuable like it's Correct. less valuable is the, is the case. And if something is less valuable, you might love it less. And you, you, right. you, you kind of do a uh, sort of thing. We, uh, uh, when we made those choices, when you had to make choices, you know, you were in a secret club of some kind, you know, it was, you were in the mm-hmm. foreigner club or you were in the Led Zeppelin club, or, you know, you were in the, the Donna Summers club or, or the Madonna club or whatever, you know, you made these choices, uh, and you know, you, you were putting your reputation on the line because sooner or later, somebody's going to see hill. that, you know, you, you were going to die on that hill, right? <laughs> Nowadays you don't, which, which a sense is good and bad. And this goes back to my discussion with King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard and taking on, you know, influences left and right. Well, that's because they are available to these guys left and right, easily accessible. Uh, and so they are just grabbing from everywhere because you can. And I think uh, in the past, you know, you kind of had to make a choice. And because of that, you know, that that set you down this particular path uh, in, in life following those choices, because, you know, every choice does, you know, it, change your life in a in a micro sense but it does every single choice does then the question is you know how significant is that choice and so you know 1699 is uh, you know when you're in your teens and 20s is a significant choice you yeah. know uh you know free is not <laughs> so no. yeah no so it could be disposable to yeah no yeah all right well so tell us about your inspiration to create to be the founder and one of the godfathers <laughs> of Pantheon. This is a great podcast network that is now setting the world on fire, not only with uh, all these great shows, but some of the opportunities, like when we talk about being able to sponsor a Nick Mason saucer full of secrets. Right. right, That's a dream come true for us. Same, same for me. Uh, Let me tell you, Uh, uh, I'm still waiting for my phone call from Paul McCartney though. That's, that's when I know (laughs) I made it. uh, When, when Sir Paul is like, Hey, this is Paul. I'd like to do an interview. 
you know. <laughs> uh, and so I, that's that's my that's my bar for me. Is that your, yes, and, uh, well, and yeah. you know, open invitation on the show as well. <laughs> yeah, Paul, yes, I know just, just, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. I was hoping I was hoping that would be the case. Um, so to get uh, you know Nick Mason and and some many of these others that we have uh, worked with or 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 even you know interviewed talked to. Uh, it's, it's a dream come true. You know, uh, I wish I could have done this in my 20s because then I probably would have made it as a rock star. I know, all the, I know all the fucking secrets now, right. you know, uh, but, uh, you know, it's great to um, to highlight this this music. Uh, you know, when we started this eight years ago, um, I felt that rock and roll had pretty much run its course. Uh, there was a, a story of a, a with with a beginning, a middle and an end. Yeah. Uh, and, and I still sort of feel that way and i mean this culturally rock and roll in the rock and roll era and that's all the music from about 54 55 to um about i used to say 96 because it was like the grunge movement was like the last big genre that, mm-hmm. that, New that really mm-hmm. changed things and, yeah. and it really did i mean it moved the needle absolutely yeah okay and and like i said i mean look, look what happened on the sunset strip uh within six weeks or six months one of the whatever that time was you know it changed dr- dramatically no no movement has done that since but i have um altered my view a little bit to make this more like where i feel like 2003 2004 is where things really do and uh uh and and what i mean by that is that i know more about the business and the business changed in about 2003 2004 they quit signing uh uh, rock acts Mm -hmm. uh you can see this go the other big thing is that bypassing how they calculate the the hot 100 these days uh the last uh, rock album to actually be the number one album was uh, Green Day's American Idiot in 2004. Which Nothing I has done that since. Yeah. Um, okay. So again, that 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 also is a, a bit of a, a obvious death nail um, that you can you can point to uh, with that. And I also have learned to appreciate the emo movement, not as big as the grunge movement at all. And and I and again, that's proving my point that. The, the music this thing we call rock and roll is, is culturally on the, on the decline right because that did not supplant you know grunge or i guess new metal was kind of in between uh, right. uh, a bit and then this emo thing happened it did not did they they, they they made some significant uh impact but it was it that impact was a much less magnitude than the the iterations that had come uh, before that uh, culturally. Now, let me ask you this question. Playing devil's advocate, in you were saying that the last real movement was grunge. That was still MTV focused. Yeah. I mean, we, we got mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff from MTV. Could, mm-hmm. Would you say that maybe this, the emo movement, because at that point in time, I don't think, I mean, right around the mid-90s, MTV started to really get away from that. I don't mm-hmm. even think there were planned videos at the end of the nineties, other than maybe right. for an hour in the morning. Do you right. think maybe that didn't, it, that wasn't pushed the same way? That yeah. Oh, uh, w- without, without doubt that would have a, a significant impact uh, on that because, you know, you know, MTV kind of became the driver of mm-hmm. what was culture, uh, youth culture. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, a, uh, 
you know, knowing as much about MTV as I do, since, you know, one of our advisors uh, ran the joint for a while, uh, he, uh, you know, has, has explained that, you know, these guys, they, they, they weren't inventing culture. They were chasing culture, you know, they just had their ear to the ground to Mm -hmm. what the thing was. And, you know, I think it's fair to say that by the time you get into the mid to late nineties, the youth culture was beginning to shift from where music was at the center of one's life to going back to the background mm-hmm. uh, of where we really see it today. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't see uh, the love and the tribalness of music uh, with uh, this current generation that uh, you definitely saw with the boomers and, uh, and Gen X. And us, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so. I remember that when that when the, what was it Thriller was going to come out, they had a huge marketing push, you know, commercials and everything, world premiere of Thriller. I oh, remember yeah. being a kid at school saying, "We have to, you have to watch this. If you didn't watch it and you came to school the next day, you might as well." You were uncool. Yeah. Because that's yeah. all we were going to talk about. Yeah. Yep. And it was it was a big yeah. it was a big thing for everybody. Yeah. But uh, you know, there's the ch- the choices are you know there's so many choices uh mm-hmm. you know you see this in i see this in sports as well football was there was nothing but football uh for america in the late 20th century uh and now while football is still the peak sport in this country um you know there are plenty of other sports that people gravitate to and don't even pay attention at all to football and that's totally mm-hmm. okay and acceptable uh out here not everybody has to have a you know an nfl jersey on sunday morning uh, anymore uh, right and, right so, and the same with music you know there's just so much available that you know it just it dilutes everything uh, to make some sort of cultural resonance is, is my point. Not saying there's not great shit out there. There's no, no. plenty of great shit out there. Absolutely. It's just, it's, you're, you're just, nobody's ever going to be the Rolling Stones and selling out stadiums when they're 80 years old. That's right. That, I mean, like, there's still going to be kids to, to yeah. turn 13, 14 this year and hear eruption, like, oh my God, I'm going to go play the guitar. You know, that, that's you know, always they're, they're, going to happen. But- there's a there's a band I find on uh, on on Facebook called Fat Mez, four kids that are probably 22 years old, and they sound as good as any fucking rock band I've ever heard in my life. Uh, you know because they they were able to, and I've been thinking about this. They were able to grow up with YouTube and learn every fucking note. That's right, <laughs> perfect, and the moves and everything, right? Everything, yeah. 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 I mean, it's you talk about the school of rock and roll. It's it's all there yeah. again, free. <laughs> yeah, and you can see the equipment. You can see what pedals they're they're using and when did they snow yeah. on them. I mean, it's it's a guy. Oh, if the, in fact, they probably have a YouTube video where they explain to you exactly what right. where they are and what where the pedals are and what the knobs are and and what the tone is and you know how to how to get everything and yeah. You know, so yeah, it's, it's uh, funny. You know, it's funny you say that because I saw a video and I love I love Jakey e. Lee just because he's a he's a cool dude. But he mm-hmm. was talking about Bark at the Moon. He was like, everybody gets it wrong because when you do the chord change and he was he was holding this. He's like, I keep the thumb on this note oh, uh, and then uh, I change the things around. And no, there's I've never seen a tab like that. So, yeah, as a kid, you're saying like, ah, that's what I'm doing wrong. No. Now I know how to play it perfectly from exactly. the actual artist. From the actual yeah. guy, right. Yeah, but the yep, thing is yep. also, I mean, this culturally it changed and MTV changing definitely changed the way we consume music. But I think once the MP3 came about and then people were exchanging it for free, 
Yeah. Then, like you say, Christian, they stop signing rock bands because if you can't make those big dollars on a band anymore, what are you going to pay four or five guys hoping that they stay together, that they don't get on drugs, that the real <laughs> songwriters come to the front and everybody else falls in line and we're going to give them two, three, four albums? You think they could have a rush today that kind of failed or flailed around the first three albums and then made 2112? No, it's got to be a hit. So let's just get a girl with a pretty it's, face and we'll yeah. write her songs and we'll play her music and we'll give her some dance moves and we'll make money that way. And they do. Uh, hand over fist. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, it's 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 now the age of, um, uh, you know, Taylor Swift's a perfect example. And geez, I hope I don't get destroyed by the Swifties out there. But, you know, <laughs> let's face it. She's a supermodel. You know, yeah, she's, she's six feet tall. She's gorgeous. She she could have literally been a runway supermodel. Blonde hair, blue eyes, um, no and, fat you know, on her body. Right. And, 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 you know, if you if you paid close attention early on, not that great of a singer. <laughs> uh, you know, her songwriting was at least personal, uh, mm -hmm. but wasn't going to didn't seem to set the world on fire to me. But you know what? They gave her the time and they surrounded her with good people that she picked up on all of that and now you know is a world-class performer but they they picked her not because she was a good songwriter <laughs> right. or a good singer <laughs> they picked her because they knew she was going to end up looking like a supermodel yeah. and uh, that uh, they could fix all the other things around there no i mean but is that any different than uh you know uh you know we used to do baseball uh and we would travel all over the the state to to play sure uh, and and even even went to cooperstown a couple of times uh you know sort of thing uh so you know and yeah you know that's that's it's there's this professionalization of children whether it's sports or music now you know find them young and uh you know you know if if your if their parents have any sort of tune tune tuned into entertainment and or sports they're gonna you know they're gonna give the kid everything they can uh, oh, shit, out yeah. there. So, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. But uh, so, you know, I, I'm sorry. I know we dis de derailed from why we started this thing eight <laughs> years ago, but uh, to do this, that's why we started eight years ago to talk about this all day, all day. the time. Uh, yeah. And it just, it, because it was so special, um, you know, uh, you know, I mentioned this earlier, Greek gods, you know, uh, I, I think that, that era is over uh and but you know there as we move on hundreds of years from now you know certainly a, a group of them will be you know thought of as highly as shakespeare or uh, mozart um uh you know beethoven bach um caravaggio uh the, the all of these uh leonardo they these guys are going to have that sort of aura around their names um, and that's why I wanted to start this was because I felt like it was almost like a religion, uh, yeah. in a way you can, you can almost see the, the mythology being built. And so what we try to do is we're not really ready to give up on the facts just yet. Uh, <laughs> so we, we kind of like still telling, uh, the story, but we are telling it in a, in a unique way. And that is through the lens of culture and technology and how those things kind of came about these guys showed up at the right time you know it, when i when i started this i always had one question that i'd had for most of my adult life 
regarding music, and that is how are the two greatest songwriters of the 20th century born less than one mile apart from each other? Uh, John and and uh, and and Paul. And what are the odds and, of them finding each other? That's it, it, just it's impossible. That right. there's an impossibility. So so then the next question is how much is nature? How much is nurture? Uh, out there. Mm -hmm. uh, in the end, as you, you might have discovered in our podcast, we settled on emotional connection. Both of them lost their mothers mm -hmm. uh, at about 15, 16 years old. And that created this connection that you're just a bond that you're not really going to have with anybody else. And because they could dive into their emotional selves so easily, the two of them together, they were able to craft these universal songs that I, I whenever anybody says to me that they don't like the Beatles, I know they're just a being a contrarian or, right. uh, <laughs> you know, everybody likes the Beatles. I, I will tell you that I, I spent a long time as a, as a young adult saying I didn't like the Beatles and that was only because everybody liked the Beatles, you know, yes. and so, yes, you're but then I, but then yeah. I, really started, right. yeah, yeah. I, I really started to listen. I'm like, Oh, come on. This is, this is fantastic. You can't tell me you don't like, they might not be your favorite because they're, yeah. you know, for whatever sure. reason, but you cannot tell me these songs are not well, amazing. It's the ABCs. Yeah. I mean, you can't have, yeah. you know, everything else without it, you know, yeah. and right. I, and to your point, Christian, part of like why we do our show is, we're not, it's not so we can find great new bands, although we love when that happens. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. There's an authenticity to the people that we talk about and to the people that we have on our show who did it back in the day and now are still doing it. And they yeah. won't be able to do it forever. I mean, Nick is getting up there and Steve yeah. Hackett, who we love, although he's a road warrior, he's getting up there, you know? And so yeah. to to celebrate this music with the people who make, made it and, and still have that authentic experience of hearing them play these songs live, that's special, that's worth sharing. Yes. Yeah. Getting the, the, as much of them on tape as we possibly can before they're all gone, uh, I think is, is, is important for the record. Unlike uh, the four gospels of which we're not sure who wrote what, if at all, uh, this time we'll at least have uh, the, uh, the original authors, uh, you know, right. saying their piece uh, <clears throat> before they uh, uh, are mythologized and uh, turned into some religion. Of which you know, I will gladly take Pope. Uh, for the, <laughs> I'll change my moniker from rock and roll archaeology to, to pope. the Pope, the Pope of rock and roll, the the il, il Pape, il Pape de rock and roll. So. Nice. The other great thing about doing this show is is finding other people that that maybe aren't they're like minded, but they're also they've got different views, but they've got the same. And, and the, the one that I'm thinking of that we kind of really hit it off was the shouted out loud guys. Who are about the they're about the same age. We have some of the same musical taste, not all of them, but some of them. But you know, like oh wait, wait, they and, have musical taste beyond Kiss. I didn't know that. They they actually do, believe it or not. <laughs> but you know, just thinking like, yeah, like if we'd have known if we had known them in the college days, we could have totally been friends. Been oh, friends. Yeah. without doubt, yeah, without doubt. Yeah. Oh yeah, just, I love those guys. Oh yeah, just to, to I, sit I, down. Uh, with somebody who you've never spoken to and feel like an old friend yeah right off the bat it's it's yep. so fantastic that's the connection yeah. yeah yeah well you know i remember when uh when peter presented them uh to me and said hey a kiss show and i'm like really <laughs> every week three hours really oh yeah. uh, and and they, and they they kill it 
<laughs> they're just yeah. they just kill it they're oh it's just, hilarious it's yeah. the only show i don't miss every week and, and I, I got a lot of shows up there and i try to keep up with as many of them as i can and sometimes yeah. the topic will be something like all right well that's you know if i only have an hour i'm not going to spend it there but i mm. never miss those guys and it isn't necessarily because it's about kiss it's just yeah. because they make me laugh if you ever <laughs> wondered if there really was a kiss army yes there really is a <laughs> fucking kiss army <laughs> it's, it's crazy yeah. uh yeah that's uh that they're 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 great and you know i i think the same could be said about us today uh you know we all have hung out in the 80s and uh been fast friends and you know have the have our red solo cups and go yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that new yeah. show. But did you guys see, did you see that show yeah that was awesome i was there where were you i was at 6203 <laughs> 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 that's awesome that's well anything on the horizon uh that we, and I, I don't have to put it on the record we can take this part out of the show but <laughs> anything on the horizon for pantheon you want to talk about or just let us in on and we won't tell anybody yeah uh i mean uh you know the big news that's not uh official official although it should be official very soon i mean it is official we just haven't made a press release is that uh we've signed a contract with rolling stone magazine to uh develop podcasts uh for them we have four nice. uh four on the slate that we're working out the first one's going to be on bill withers we're deep in the in the process of putting Sweet. that together uh cool. here uh we're, we're still uh, trying to figure out what the the other there's four that we've agreed to, to do to start with and see how it goes and um uh we're still kind of trying to figure out who the other three are uh, but um uh so so that's uh that's definitely on the horizon uh you know we're always looking for uh for new shows um you know we want to be as broad uh, as possible get as many diverse voices as we can and we're about all kinds of music uh you know that's uh, right. we 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 think uh, it's just called rock and roll because that was the the initial impetus of uh from the 1950s of you know you know democratization in music of regular people you know being able to make it uh and uh, make it well and uh you know and, and that includes uh you know disco and hip-hop and everything else in between it's all trying to do the same thing it's the the guy on the street the common man uh that uh, can rise uh, to the top on his own or her own talents uh out there and um and it, that, i think that a lot of that started with rock and roll and uh, and continues we just maybe we you know, the media creates all these little you know uh, uh labels uh for 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 the various genres but um uh you know it's all basically the same thing which was it's in a very american thing i think that was what 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 we brought um and i think when the story of america is done you know one of the great uh, things we'll be remembered for is um taking this black music and giving it to the entire world uh and that anybody could do uh can work with uh and and look what look what happened it uh, became a, a huge uh uh, global phenomenon and yet uh, the british and, and look yes america is responsible for that but i think it was the british bands that took it to the next level absolutely oh, yeah. gave it back to america well, and they gave the it, world yeah yeah you know yeah, absolutely yeah. We, you know? yeah we, you know as we as we discussed earlier you know when we gave it a shot from 54 55 to 60 and then, then it kind of you know the 
for racial reasons, right. primarily, mm-hmm. you know, the man went, oh, cool. Woo. Well, dodge that bullet. Uh, and then the Brits, <laughs> the Brits said, oh, fuck you. Well, watch this. This uh, is really good. <laughs> Listen to what Eric Clapton can do with that thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they brought it, they, they brought it back and, uh, and, and there was no putting the genie back in the bottle after that. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's awesome. Well, look, man, we appreciate you coming on the show. We appreciate you bringing us into the Pantheon community. It oh, means a yeah. lot to us, man. We, we've made so we many great show. people yep. and are having yep. a lot of fun doing it still. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, you know, and uh, if there are others out there that uh, have a great podcast, music uh, oriented podcast that is looking for a home, uh, you know, we're always interested. So give us a ring uh, and uh, let us know what you got. Uh, we're being a little picky these days and you know, we definitely don't want to uh, uh, have, uh, you know, three, five shows that are all the same. Uh, <laughs> we're looking for for things that are different, uh, you know, a different take or a different uh, uh, experience, a uh, different way to tell the story um and i think that's the other thing we're really looking for you know original stories um uh you know a little bit more like uh rock and archaeology and um uh and things like that which are trying to to tell a, a deep story in some way or another um i think that's kind of the future of podcasting uh as we move from here so but uh no we love having uh the ugly american werewolf uh in london That wraps our conversation with Christian Swain, co-founder of Pantheon Podcast, of which we are a proud part, uh, proud members, uh, and I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with him. He has been around. He is a musician in his own right and an entrepreneur, and I thought you guys might enjoy talking or hearing us speak with him uh, about his life and his how he got into rock and roll and why it's so important to him and share some of his vast, vast knowledge with you all, our listeners. Great guy and great to have him on. And for those looking for our review of Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets live in Indianapolis, sorry about that. We decided to make that our 100th episode because that was such a special night for us. Uh, so you will have to tune in next week for that. Now, as usual, we want to know, did we get something right? Did we get something wrong? Did we miss the point? Did we leave out your favorite part? Hey, you've got to let us know. You can send us an email at UglyAmericanWerewolf at gmail.com. You can tweet or DM us at Ugly underscore Werewolf or at ActionJack72. Let us know what you're up to. Let us know which concerts, which albums, which bands you're excited about right now and would like to hear us review. Thanks, as always, to Pantheon Pods and to Christian uh, for making us part of the team. And to our extraordinary sponsor, RareVinyl.com. Go to RareVinyl.com for all of your vinyl needs. They ship all around the world. Use code PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to get 10% off not only your first order, but every order you ever make with them. Thanks to us and our little podcast code, and thanks to them. You can also go to EIL.com or rarevinyl.com. It's the same company. They've been in business almost 40 years. So yeah, next week, folks, that's when we're going to talk about our incredible experience seeing Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets live in Indianapolis. Of course, you can tune into episode number 96 to hear our conversation with Guy Pratt and Gary Kemp of The Rock on Tours and Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets. Uh, And you can also go to episode 75 to hear my review of the Royal Albert Hall show. But I got to tell you, this one was even more meaningful for me. Uh, and uh, we'll talk all about it next week. So until next time, rock and rollers, to all of you all around the world, be cool and stay safe.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.